off air. Oh, we're live. Salam, everyone. Welcome to the Women of TSN. We're really excited to have this conversation. It's a group of us women who know each other and have been friends. And this is like a new segment we're doing um, just to break down some things and get, you know, spill the proverbial tea or the chai. So we're shedding the performances and we want to get honest. So um, we want to talk about performing womanhood, wedding season, handling Ramadan politics, all of that. So I'm going to kick it off to Rizal to get us started. Hi, everyone. I'm Rizal. I'm calling in, dialing in from San Francisco. And we first wanted to start with an icebreaker just to loosen everyone up for this, um, what I'm sure will be a very engaging discussion. And the first question I want to ask everyone is, um, when did you feel like you first had to perform womanhood? Just throwing it out there. For me personally, I think it was when, as I was growing up, I had to constantly serve chai and had to, um, you know, go around and make sure everyone had their like kochinamaki and all that stuff. While a lot of my brothers, well, just two of them, had to, got to sit down and not do it. And I realized that at that point, I had to make sure that I was performing some sort of femininity or my role in the Afghan-American culture. So if anyone wants to go next. I'll go since mine is very similar. Um, <laughs> hi everyone, I'm Nazo calling in from DC. Um, and yeah, so mine is very similar of the like, always asking whoever was in the kitchen if they need help, right? Like not being able to sit with everybody else at the Maimoni or the gathering and asking like, oh, do you need help? Do you need to set the table? Do you need to do something? Um, and I don't even remember how old, but I'm sure as a young girl, that was my, I remember that. And I remember people saying like, oh, she's so helpful. That's so great. Like, and so it was a firm that I kept doing it. And I realized even just last weekend, like it's still so ingrained in me at my mom's house. I was like, oh, do you need help? What do you need me to do? You know? So that's definitely my first memory. Hi, I guess I'm going next. My name's Hana. I'm from SoCal. Um, my first memory of performing any type of like womanhood, I think it really comes down to like um, outward appearance. So the big thing I think was waxing, like hair removal. That was like the initiating step of like, you know, these yeah. are the things you have to do to, yes. you, know, you know, beauteous pain was first, you know, introduced to me when I was like 10 or 11 when my mom took what? me to my cousin's house to get waxed, got my legs Eyebrows? waxed. Not eyebrows, just in the middle. That was like the one thing I was waiting for. When can I get rid of this unibrow? Oh, you had a unibrow that you brought to start of with that. Course. I had to start look with Nair. Yeah, look at, no, my mom went hard. She's like, you're getting waxed because we we want to really lessen this hair. Um, and also, what do you mean I had a, did, are you asking if I had a unibrow? Look at these eyebrows, Hazal. Of course, sorry. <laughs> you have amazing eyebrows, so yeah, there's a price to pay. There's a price I had to pay, and it's if I don't have tweezers with me at all times, this becomes one brow. Anyway, that's that's my you know intro to womanhood 101 is having to get my legs waxed like every month. So Nura, yeah, Salam Nura, calling in from Durham, and for me. Um, since we're being honest, um, it was when I went shopping for bras with my mom. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't even remember how young I was, but I remember, I, I like not, didn't think it was a thing because I was like, I wore whatever my brother wore. And I'm like, does he get one too? <laughs> Apparently he didn't get one because he's like literally just 12 months and a week younger than me. So we used to do everything together. He had a Ninja Turtle shirt. I had a Ninja Turtle shirt. <laughs> So when I got a bra, I was expecting him to get one. And apparently that's <laughs> not works. And then I was like, him? what the hell? I told him. And he's like, I don't have one of those. <laughs> like aired his business online. But that's when I was like, oh, so this is something women do. So yeah. then, like the, the pieces started connecting from there for me. <sighs> okay. So lots of things that we're seeing here that we have in common. I feel like a lot of it has to do with outward. I feel like a lot of ours had to do with like outward, you know, appearance and then also just kind of like the role we have to play. Um, I know Ramadan just finished up. So I was wondering like, what are some of the roles you see that women are expected to, to basically take on during Ramadan versus, you know, what men have to do? Everything. Fast and cook for the family. Mm -hmm. Definitely and then get, all the cooking. 
Yeah, and, well, like, then you get criticized. Care. You get criticized if the food doesn't taste good, which is like a real blow to the face because it's like it's not like you could taste it, uh-huh. you know, while <laughs> cooking it. Yeah, and everything tastes good, so everyone needs to just sit down, be humble. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> In the words of Imam Kendrick. <laughs> Imam Kendrick. That's the one I subscribe to, by the way. We just anointed him. I like it. I did. Oh my god, I'm gonna get a lot of hate now. <laughs> what about um what about when you're on your menstrual cycle during Ramadan? Do you guys hide it? Because that's when people like if you're not like you are exempt from fasting at that time, but if you eat then you're just basically outing the fact that like you're bleeding yeah i mean i literally have to like go in the kitchen and like sneak in like whatever like i can't have like a a normal meal during amazon while i'm at home i have to like sneak in crackers or cookies and you know anything that i can quickly eat while nobody's looking it's and the guilt is the worst part right like everyone makes you feel so guilty when you're not fasting that like for various reasons, there were a few days I didn't. Um, but yeah, it's like you have to hide it and then you feel guilty like, oh, I'm not like suffering or hungry or like, like everybody else. And so now I feel bad on top of not doing it. So yeah, that was real. I used to hide it. And then I realized like my dad has mad daughters and he's married to a woman. So I think he figures out, I think he knows periods exist and he doesn't make it weird. So I don't make it weird. So lately, I mean, I don't, my body's weird. So Ramadan, I don't get my period during Ramadan because my sleep and eating schedule gets so fucked up. But in any case, in the past when I would, um, I just stopped being weird about it. I just straight up announce it. So it's like, leave me alone. (laughs) <laughs> do you know but i definitely see that i definitely see that where it's just like people get so weird about eating and i, I hate that it's like a lot of it comes down to like men need to step up and stop being so immature about it you know like because we're dying like we need advil and just like those stereotypes for women are real like we actually do need rest and all of that thing you know it's like your body is fighting you <laughs> during that time in some ways yeah it, the other thing I was thinking about was um, eating disorders. So according to this study from the UNC School of Medicine, 65% of women in the U.S. between the age of 25 and 45 have um, disordered eating behaviors. And I feel like with Ramadan, like this whole, like we kind of um, mimic this binge purge system and um, that's an exemption, right? Like it's a form of so like I it was since it's something that happens for men and women, but it, it tends to affect women more than men. I feel like what does this month do for women in our community who have to deal with that? Yeah. I I, go on, Kozal. No, go on. It's okay. I'm <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I feel like a lot of women do have like kind of um unhealthy relationships with eat the active eating and with their bodies and I feel like they don't realize it and I feel like Ramadan is one of the times a year where I know I kind of become like extra aware of how I feel towards eating because like Ramadan's like the one time a year where all day I'll feel like you know what like I I look all right I look good I feel good you know like I think um unhealthily in a way I associate the feeling of being hungry with like thinness Mm -hmm. and so when I'm not eating throughout the day, I'm feeling good about myself. And then, you know, once if God comes around and it's time to eat, like even eating a little bit makes you feel really full. And I just, I don't think of it as full. I feel like, oh, I feel like bloated and gluttonous and just all these, that's like kind of when negative feelings come about. And so I feel like Ramadan does definitely kind of exacerbate that or it, it um, exaggerates those feelings. And especially mm-hmm. the time right after Ramadan, right? Like right now, I feel like my eating is super screwed up. Because I'm like, oh, I was fine not eating all day and restricting those calories. So I should be fine now. But then I'm like, oh, but I can eat. So I'm going to eat all the ice cream that I have. And and then like, and then I get mad at my, like, it's just this like perpetual cycle that you like get frustrated with yourself because you're like, no, I can be hungry and be okay, but I can eat now. So I'm going to eat and then I'm going to feel bad about it. So like, I think it mentally screws up your eating habits 
too. Like, yes, like during Ramadan, like physically it messes you up. But I think mentally afterward, like right now, I'm still trying to like get back into like a healthy swing, both like mentally thinking about it and like trying to make sure my metabolism doesn't go completely haywire. Mm-hmm. And one of the first conversations I always know when I talk to like non-Muslim people or people who don't fast, they're like, oh, I gain weight during Ramadan. Oh, I lose weight during Ramadan. It's just this like, constant like, conversation around what happens to your weight, what happens to your body, that I feel like it can be really, really triggering to people who really struggle with um, like, you know, eating disorders. And it's it's tricky and it's sad and I wish it wasn't the conversation, but. I mean, it's like, it's the same form of anorexia, right? You're not, you're just totally. restricting yourself from eating. So it's like yeah. a small taste of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only empowering thing for me this Ramadan, which is weird is, my friends, I have two friends that are moms and there's a boot camp for moms. So I joined a boot camp where I was the only like single non-mom. And um, what it did was like, it was like a very affirming women-centered environment where I saw people of all ages just kind of like trying to be there for themselves. And it centered me on, it's like that language. And I think that I was like thinking about it, I was like, this group of moms that gets together and does like wellness together, that kind of language doesn't exist amongst Afghan women. Like when mm. we, like now that Ramadan's over, what is it? It's wedding season. Mm. Like our mm-hmm. next, like, oh, shit. so I'm just like, done. crap, I have three weeks to like, do you know what I mean? And we don't have positive language around that. Yeah. All right, let's dig into wedding season. Uh, if you know me, you know I love weddings. I watch every single wedding TV show there is known to me. Do you have a side hustle as a, as a wedding? I have a, I'm trying to start a side hustle. So all you ladies getting married this wedding season, hit up weddingsbynazo at gmail.com. I can help you out. Um, but outside of that, um, yeah, so like it is now that Ramadan's over and wedding season is here, it's like, you gotta find the right thing to wear and make sure that you look good so that like your aunties can show you off at the wedding and like you're not sticking out. And like, I was sending pictures to my mom the other day of things, of outfits for weddings. And it's all about like, what makes your body look good and what, you know, like what is the most conservative, but also like makes you look good. So I think that's a tricky territory too. I hate dress Olympics at weddings where it's just like you have to kind of, I don't know about y'all, but I have to get a feel for like, oh, if it's a more like reserved family, I have to show up with like the long sleeves, long dress. But if it's someone that doesn't really care as much, I can wear whatever I want, um, which I think comes down to a lot of like, you know, it's it's really like a performative space weddings. Like it's, you're like debuting yourself for all these families to see and you feel like you know, you're being ranked and it's gross. Like you're just being watched, especially once you reach a certain age. And so, you know, I definitely get my mom kind of like policing me on what I'm wearing to certain weddings. I'm a grown ass woman and I have a tattoo on my back (laughs) and I refuse to wear something that will show it at an Afghan wedding. So like (laughs) half of my outfits are restricted now because I can't have an open back because I don't want anyone to, I don't want any Afghans or older Afghans to see that. How come how come you don't want them to see it? Because I haven't told my mom. <laughs> Surprise mom. Okay, I, She's watching. I'm, I'm like dying to get a tattoo. So I'm like trying to like be strategic about where it's at. Yeah. So I yeah, I have the one on my back is a little bit more open and I just I like I don't want that to be a conversation piece. Like I'm proud of it, yeah. I love it, whatever, but like that's gonna be all anyone talks about at a wedding. Like that's Ooh. not what I want, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's for real tricky. I don't I don't know. And are there rules around dancing? Like what certain weddings you can dance at or you can't dance at? Like I feel like there's that stuff. If you dance too much, that's a big one. Or like who you dance with? Like you can't just uh, you know you can't dance with like uh, you can only dance around your brother and maybe a cousin, <laughs> but like. If like Shugufa's brother is near you, you need to like get off the dance floor because God forbid, you know. Yeah, even like your cousin nowadays, everybody be hitching up with their cousin, so it's like what? you can't even be dancing with that. Like it's all off limits. If they're a male and they're not your brother, like forget it. Like forget it. It's because <laughs> people start making playing matchmaker for you. Like mm-hmm. they start kind of like you know 
getting ideas of who you're seeing or something like that. It's like, oh, you, you kind of like pass by that person a little bit on the dance floor. Do, do you know them? Is there something going on there? Mm-hmm. And even even the idea of like dancing, like sometimes I think about it when I go to certain like Afghan events or like, oh, they invited you. You have to make it seem like you care about being there. Go and dance. Like why why do I have to go and dance so people so I can feel appreciative of being invited? Am I like putting on a show? Like it's so freaking weird. Dancing is not necessarily something fun unless you don't know the family and then you can go and do whatever you want. But if you know the family, it's like not necessarily something as fun. At least that's what I've I've mm-hmm. experienced it as. Yeah, I've had to I've been like forced to dance to show that I'm not the crazy conservative one. My mom's like, you're gonna look bad sitting. You have to show that you're moderate and not a tall. <laughs> or my aunt's been like, Talib Nabash, don't be a Talib, like get on the dance floor. And like, so it's interesting how like how they see us affects that, you know, so I have to like dance to show that I'm not too conservative. But then if I were to like dance the way I wanted to dance, then I'd probably get another reputation. Nora, how do you want to dance? How do you want to dance? Tell us. Yo, well, like, I prefer the hip hop. So <laughs> however you dance to a J. Cole track or a Miguel's track, it's not going to happen in an Afghan wedding. Have you guys ever been to an Afghan man at a wedding where there's like a hip hop song that comes on? <laughs> It's so awkward. All you the see aunt- your cousin Shigufa and your, your Khala Shafiqa trying to awkwardly be like, yeah, this is cool, I'm with it. You're really just traumatized and horrified by it. Well, so you, you have to dance to show that you're not too conservative, but then you can't go outside and join the men in the parking lot pimping. That Ooh, would be talk too Talk about that. Right? Yeah, oh me, if I went to the parking lot. <laughs> Game over. Like, can we we're talk not about allowed- what is the parking lot? Can we talk about this parking lot pimping scene? <laughs> Don't even get me started on our drinking culture. <laughs> like, that's a whole other TSN um, about the models of irresponsible drinking that we have because we do it, right? Like, it happens, and we need to stop being irresponsible about it and taking shots and binging in the parking lot and sit down and sip a drink throughout the night because that's the more responsible thing to do but we're not allowed to do that i mean is it like an express where you go and take three shots and run back in or you have to hang out for a half hour like how does that work yeah it is i mean like you can hang out there for like a few minutes i guess i mean i don't know i haven't first of all i haven't been old enough at a wedding to be part of parking lot pimping so this wedding season will be the first one but also like as a woman you're never invited out there Right, yeah. like, yeah, this was like a thing in the Bay Area. You just know all the guys are out in the back, like in the parking lot, having their shots, and you're just supposed to sit there. And you know, they come back in and they start dancing, and they know they're totally like irresponsible, which leads to fights, which leads to like awkward situations and getting kicked out of Lake Elizabeth because these men don't know how to handle their alcohol. Don't get me started on that either. But yeah, it's a thing. Dudes I want to be invited be out there. Yeah, dudes will be straight up drunk at weddings and no one bats an eye. They'll just go, mm-hmm. oh, like, you know, the boys were having their fun again. But if you so much as like, you know, like if you don't get up to serve your table or something like that, if you just even sit there quietly, demurely, like, it's like you can't win. Like, we get criticized for stuff like that, but dudes can straight up go drinking in the parking lot. like, And nothing happens to them. They can nothing. go call the next day. Yeah, nothing. shit. Oh, everyone, I, there was a wedding, a, a cousin of mine had a wedding where she had a bar outside and like everybody knew, my mom wasn't even at the wedding. Everybody knew the next day that I had a glass of wine and I was like on the dance floor with it. Everybody <laughs> knew. That's the stuff that travels. They're, our aunties are better than Facebook at getting news distributed. Yep. I mean, luckily, my mom doesn't care. She was like, good. I'm glad she did it. Like, good for her. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's like, heaven forbid I have a drink responsibly, you know, and not chug it or take a shot of it. Um, yeah, everyone so finds out. Yeah. And the responsible part, right? Like, because of like this shaming, it creates these extremes that we just don't negotiate well. Um, yeah, and it, this is off topic, but since we're talking about being responsible and owning what you do, just even the concept of like um, sexual relations, like people aren't responsible, they go off and deny that this, they're doing this stuff. 
Um, and then in turn, people are sitting here getting STDs left and right, you know? So there's, there's, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna say it. There's like oh, something yeah. to say about taking ownership of what you're doing and how you're living your life and doing it responsibly. But if you're constantly hiding it and worrying about like who you're showing and it's com constantly hidden in the community, then you can't do it responsibly. There's no space for that. No it's like, that. Yeah, like that we had that TSN poll, like what's the worst thing that can happen at a wedding? And one of the things we hadn't put on the poll is what if you ended up sitting at the table behind the, the person you're, you're dating or whatever? You wouldn't know because it's all secret. Like this is this whole performance. You show up at the weddings. If you're not engaged, mm -hmm. you're labeled as single, right? Mm -hmm. And then, which That's also means so I can go hit up another person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're trying to come up with names that our generation is not. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is so annoying. I'm so sick of like Afghans covertly dating because you think someone's single for the longest time and then next thing you see, they're posting a picture on Instagram of their shimmy hoodie with a caption no. like, I'm like, I'm lucky I'm in love with my best friend. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag Alhamdulillah for everything. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. Like, I wasn't going to pursue you, but who could I? I just want to know that I could stare at you all across the room, you know? Like, <laughs> so fake. Oh my God. I hate covert dating. God. That's yeah, so yeah. prevalent, though. You can't come out as a couple until you're engaged. And then all of a sudden, you're like, God's gift to every wedding circuit is like, oh, oh God, you're the darling. Yeah. You're the darling. I, I know how I feel like um like engaged or married couples like newlyweds when they go to weddings they have to like extra perform like they have mm. to like get the dance started they're like prom king and queen from last year. <laughs> well, well, here's a question for those like, what if you're in the bridal party like if it's your like like my like a few of my very close family like relatives are getting married this summer like my first cousin that's basically like my brother my mama who's my age my uncle who's my age. So, like these are basically like my brothers and I'm worried about I've already heard like you should like learn from them and that should be your influence to get married and that's like why did you suddenly shift my priorities of like why would do you know what I mean like you almost start getting lectured to do this thing because the people around you are doing it right does mm -hmm. am I the only one who has crazy people who say that to me or no people say that to you as if you have like a fucking choice which is annoying like people are like why aren't you engaged or married it's like oh let me go pull a dude named buddy Ali out of a barrel <laughs> we're engaged now like people act like I'm, I'm putting it off there's no line of dudes here <laughs> waiting for me to be like, yeah, I do go find yeah. me and this just annoys me because of all the comp like accomplishments one of my woman crushes are it's Nura okay I think we can all agree on that like yeah. one of like of all the accomplishments you've made like that's like that's like something that everyone's talking about like yeah. I'm sorry fuck that I'm sorry yeah. fuck that and on top of that like no okay I'm gonna stop myself anyone else want to <laughs> no I agree I mean it's like that's like when you've made it right like my parents you know I have a house I have multiple degrees I run a goddamn school like I do a lot of things, but you don't get congratulations or like you've made it until you're married. And it's like, no, congratulate me for everything else in my life that I've done. Like, why are we waiting for me to be booed up for like my life to start? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely feel you. That's really, really, really frustrating. It's tricky. I think um, like one of the most awkward uh, questions I always get is, um, Oh, like when is it your turn? Like you know, <laughs> like as if it's like they need to make a special dua for me. Yeah, so, it's super dramatic. They bust out the prayer hands real quick, and I'm like, yeah, presume, yeah, go stop. Like you're embarrassing me. I'm at someone else's wedding. So. I know. Okay. Yeah, so what like I do now right now is uh, I make people feel really, really uncomfortable. Like when they make me feel I uncomfortable, love it. I make them feel uncomfortable. So I ask them, yeah, I'm sorry. It's just nobody really wants me. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes them feel like so uncomfortable. And then they make extra dua and like, like, like shuffle off. Oh my <laughs> God. I can't go to a wedding without wanting to fight like all of my khalas or extended family because do you ever get this where people get really dramatic about you also getting khina on your hand? I don't know about you. Run after you with that khina. Yeah. My, 
legitimately. Uncle's, my <laughs> uncle's mother-in-law was like genuinely upset that I went to my friend's Shaukhina and I didn't want to put Hina. Because I'm just like, it's an ugly orange spot on my hand. I don't want to do this right now. And she was genuinely upset about it. I was just like, this doesn't mean dick to me, <laughs> old lady. Like, I really had to hold back from being mean about it. Because it's like, it's frustrating. They just pile it on and they just really pressure you as if it's some kind of magical spell that'll lure a damas or some shit. I have never seen old women run as fast in heels as like last summer when the Hina got off stage and I saw my aunts running with the Hina towards me and my sister. And I was like, where do I run and hide from these women? And then they took both hands. They're like, Ina, I was like, no, no listen, I embrace crazy. all of that. I do all of it. I eat all the knuckle that they feed into my mouth. <laughs> All of it. I'm like, good, keep it coming because none of it is working. Like, keep praying, keep whatever. I was like, you guys keep trying. I've caught every freaking bouquet at every wedding at this point. None of it works. So, if you want to keep it coming, come on, let's go. It's not happening. <laughs> but are henna nights a thing now? Like, did you guys have henna nights growing up? Like, did you go to them? I feel like they're becoming more of a thing now because it's like cool and trendy. It's more of a thing now, and I feel like a lot of us are using it as an excuse to wear Afghan clothes. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. that's not a, like that's not an Afghan tradition. That's like an Indian tradition to get like fancy henna, right? Like henna is at the wedding, like on the taft, like Nora was saying. But like to have a whole other night for it is very Indian, and I don't know. Maybe we're we're adopting some new traditions. I know I I don't remember Shaukhina, but I know that like um they they've always brought out Khina and yeah. like on the night of the wedding, but yes. yeah, you're right now it's becoming this like big like mm -hmm. Shaukhina separate from the I mean how many parties do we have to have? I'm trying to save money and like actually do with my shit. I am trying to put on uh, like five different like mini weddings for people to come mm -hmm. and eat. Well, and I think that's the point is they want to have like the Indians have like a three day wedding, like they're trying to have multiple nights of this now. So I think that's like one big new trend that's happening. I just I just have to find more dresses and I have no time. Like, <laughs> how do you buy dresses and not end up in the same outfit as your cousin? Rent the runway. <laughs> Rent the flag. <laughs> I have to say Afghan women are probably the most stylish like bar and so it's hard to compete with a community of women who are that this is like nam khoda beautiful and like on their game and we have like facebook groups where people recommend products i didn't know existed <laughs> like, there's, there's there's contour for your legs like this is the thing like oh my God. <laughs> Stop. i just I don't mean, know like what these have you seen contour for like the back of your neck? Cause no. Yeah, no. where it makes it like, it's disgusting. Cause I'm just like, yeah, that's what's really what hot right now. What if you sweat it off? <laughs> that that spray tan running well, down I live in I live in North Carolina where it's 104 degrees today. So I'm just thinking, okay, <laughs> dang. Laura, aren't you going to like mad weddings? Yeah, I have like five this summer. And now they're so heating. How are you going to get all these dresses? I don't know if you guys feel like this, but I feel like I can't wear the same dress to, like twice. Not after Instagram. No, you mm -hmm. grab it and this is out there. <laughs> Do you, did you guys, so other traditions that I've noticed that are coming up, have you guys had lots of knife dances? Yes. At weddings you've been to? I've never, been, I've never seen one. Back so to that, cards? Yeah, so I, I think it's like a Persian or Iranian thing um, where people from the bride's family dance with the knife um, and the groom gives her money to try and get the knife to cut the cake with it. So it's like oh. now like another thing for the groom. Yeah. It's you know? usually like the bride's sisters take turns dancing with the knife and then get paid off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like now that's another cool thing at weddings. Yeah. So I'm getting a question from the audience. Um, in terms of like an analytical question, why why do we why are there some like some of the things we've been talking about in terms of like the shawkina and like these superstitions? Uh, why do, is there like some broader purpose behind it in terms of our parents and like the role marriage plays and the family structure of Afghans that that influences this? Damn, that's hella deep. 
<laughs> to uh, Ali Ulumi I for, was just about to say, did Ali ask that question? <laughs> he, might, he might have. It sounds very on brand for him. To take a stab at that. I mean, I think part of it is like, that's part of it is embracing the culture and the tradition, right? Like it's, it's like that, that is part of who we are. And so like, I want to do it because it's keeping that alive, you know? And if we stop doing it or we don't do it, then it's like, then we lose it and then doesn't get passed on to the, the younger generation. So part of it is like, it's a way to hold on to culture and traditions. Um, part of it is like out of respect, right? I think that's like a really core value for Afghans and it's out of respect to our families and it's out of respect to our parents. Um, and so I think that's a big deal, like to, to show that we honor them and, and we do it by continuing these traditions or taking the Hina or whatever it is. Um, it's, it's that a, I think a sign of respect too. Mm. Uh, why is it a big deal to be engaged? <laughs> so I can have a baby. <laughs> oh man. I mean, that's really it. I, I, I want to start a family. Like, I want to have a kid. And I've, I've contemplated having a kid on my own. Um, but I've seen a lot of single moms struggle. And that's not what I want. Like, I want to raise a child with a family, with a partner. Um, mm -hmm. And so I really want to find someone so I can start a family. Like, that's really it for me. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think also it's it's important to consider, like, when you think about getting engaged or getting married, like, what would you get? out of it. And I know that's very like a selfish way to think about um, things, but like, what would you get out of your relationship or your engagement or your marriage that you wouldn't get right now? And like, come to terms with that. Is it sex? Okay, it's sex. Is it, you know, a child? Okay, it's a child. What is it that you would get out of it that you don't get right now? You know what I mean? Like, that's how I think about it. And I know that doesn't like sit well with a lot of like, um, you know, tradition, but it is what it is. I don't know. I and I mean, I'm not going to go into my <laughs> non-engagement right now, but <laughs> No, it's so true though. It's like I think that some families if they are more patriarchal, like they limit what women are allowed to do mm -hmm. and girls are only allowed to do certain things once they're engaged and they have that protection, right? And like my home that wasn't the case like um you know, I turned 18, went off to college like didn't move back in after that I've been like working back to school like trying to fulfill like these career dreams and part of it was my mom didn't get to do it and so she really wanted to support us in, in getting to do that but I've realized now that I go to these spaces with Afghans that a lot of girls they have to stay home and they have to it's like a lot of things they're like not allowed to do until there is like a bay to be their backer then they're allowed to go and live their life and live their dreams and do their career mm -hmm. so i don't knock women some girls have to get, get engaged at 21 or whatever because mm -hmm. like, like they're not allowed to do anything until this dude shows up it's like get a permanent roommate then you can do whatever you want like mm -hmm. i don't i don't know understand that but henna you were nodding your head like you grew up around more afghans than i did do you see that in in Hardcore. Mm -hmm. I've definitely heard a lot of like, oh, you can do that, but only once once you're married. Um, my mom actually tried to put some pull something like that on me when I was just like, hey, I want to go on a trip with just my friend. And um, she used to be like, oh, you know, Hannah, you, you can travel when you're married. I was like, homegirl, I'm not getting married anytime soon. I look like I'm <laughs> solid, like 14 years old. This isn't <laughs> happening now. And so she's like, I, I just pushed her into it. And then I realized, like, my parents really let me do a lot of the things. They let me do whatever I want. So I feel like I don't feel that pressure of having to have, like, a male chaperone in that sense. But I've definitely seen that with a lot of, you know, people I know, people I know personally, friends I have, where they kind of had, like, a oppressive home environment where they weren't allowed to, you know, go out really or, or not even, like, you know, they couldn't go out unless their brothers were there. They couldn't go out, period. They wouldn't be able to do half the things I've done. But, you know, those are the same friends that I've noticed married really young because they felt like in order to escape that, they had to, you know, get married. And now they're allowed to do these things. Now they're allowed to travel or, you know, basically yeah. live like a what I have seen as like a normal life for someone in their early 20s to do. But for them, they they have like a gatekeeper for it. Like they they needed to unlock that achievement by getting married. Mm. Uh, one of the questions we got asked that my, um, uh, by, uh, for, by Nida Mohibi on Facebook was, do y'all feel pressure to keep up religious traditions at weddings? 
I mean, I don't think too many of our wedding traditions are religious. They're more cultural, um, unless you're talking about the nikah, right? And then that, then you get into the more religious piece. So um, I think, yes, I, I, I don't know if it's pressure necessarily. It's like, I, I want to keep traditions, right? Like I like traditions. It's part of who you are and part of your culture. Um, so I don't know if there's necessarily pressure. I think there's probably pressure to invite certain people or to have a certain kind of wedding or, you know, that part of it. But the traditions that you want to incorporate, I think, are based on what you want to do. Um, I mean, who am I to talk, though? I've never had a wedding, so I can't, I don't know. <laughs> that, this is what I would predict I would do. But you've planned them and you're going to plan yeah. many more. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, right? I mean, I you think it's all stuff. about what they want to do and like with like a little bit of respect to the parents and the elders. Um, that's usually, you know, it's kind of like a nice balance of, of what the couple wants and what um, what they want to do to honor their family. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Think of how we're religious with our weddings. Yeah, the, the nikah is the only thing I was thinking of too. You were mm -hmm. like, I actually like like that. Um, I feel like our weddings are spaces that bring people together ac across the religious spectrum. At least in my family, there's no like such such a variation in practice, and like I have elders in my family who would like, or who are just like you know Islam isn't for me, and to me what brings the family together is that there's an inclusion of some religious traditions, but cultural things and heritage, and family things that extend beyond that, and I find beauty in that because religion can be polarizing, you know like. I personally love God, but I'm not here trying to make everyone show up at a wedding and, and demand it from every, you know, 500 people in a space. And so the fact that we have like um, the molida and like, like, like the, the nukul and all of that to me um, distinguishes us from like other Muslim majority countries where I feel like the weddings are very much dictated by like religious traditions um, in a way that almost doesn't leave room for other things right yeah sorry guys i'm just gonna like throw it out and keep it real just as we're talking some fools like commenting on our youtube and this is just goes along with our performing womanhood is like just being able to stand here and say what we want to say it's attracting so much like hate so, you know, fuck all of y'all. And we're gonna say what we're gonna say. And anyway, anyone, <laughs> anyone else wanna continue? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Just no, you're right. It, I honestly was Why? nervous about tonight because I was like, you know what? We're actually gonna sit as if we're having tea and actually broadcast what we would say off air, mm -hmm. on air. Yeah. And, and, and this is exactly what happens when we do that, right? Yeah, this is like peak performance where like we're having a frank discussion and men want to police what we're saying so bad. Like, yeah. this is part of performing. I can't talk about half the shit I want to talk about in front of men because this is the reaction, you know, they get. They get, you know, really verbally abusive about it or they just get Ooh. very angry. Yeah. Yeah, it's just. I mean, the conversation needs to be had, though, right? Like, yeah. I think, especially as Afghan women, our opinions and our thoughts aren't heard so often. Um, and so it's it's important that they're out there in a public space. And if you don't agree with me, that's okay. Like, I'm not trying, just like Nora said, she's not trying to make everybody love God. I'm not trying to make everybody agree with me. But I think it's important that different perspectives and opinions are heard. And, like, we talk about the pressure so that, like, other women who need who want to relate can and feel like, okay, I'm not the only one going through this. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if there, there's some like beauty and commiserating around some of this pressure and mm -hmm. being able to like bond over that. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Our gender roles are real. We're like puppets. Like we can only do so much. And now that we're trying to cut the threads off and make decisions, it disrupts structures to people. And that really gives people anxiety about like, um, I feel like there's a sense that we have to be controlled, right, by men or like this, like these these norms, and that when we push for the sake of, and and people think we push um, just to be contrarian, but maybe we're pushing to improve culture. Culture is alive; like it is our choice to build the culture we want that's healthy for everyone. And um, people don't like change, especially men, the people that benefit from the kind of rules and hierarchy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
I feel like some of our like the parking lot thing. Like, what would the reaction of some dudes be if you went out to the parking lot? <laughs> this isn't safe for you. I'll Why tell you in a couple months because I'm gonna be a part hey. of it. <laughs> Can we send a you. camera in with you? Yeah. Well, and then I also had another cousin request that I have um, pockets in my dress so that I can just keep a flask so I don't even have to go to the parking lot. So take that parking lot, Pimpe. <laughs> I outsmarted all of you. That's also how I almost drank vodka as a child. Because <laughs> vodka looks like water. And um, one of my uncles put it on a table and I reached for it thinking it was water. <gasps> and that's how I learned what vodka was. You probably spit it out <laughs> so John. fast. <laughs> I didn't get, yeah, he, he, he grabbed it before, but I was like, oh, this must be like, an, you know, like Fiji water. I was like, vodka must be another label for Fiji water. That's funny. Oh, man. Um, but so um, related to weddings, um, Naza, you, had, you were talking about something I wondered if you felt comfortable talking about. Yeah. on air you're doing something really important tomorrow i am um so since i'm not married uh and i am in my 30s um and there is there is a pressure to get married but there's also there's some pressure to have a family but i, I think that's more internal like my biological clock is ticking and i really i want to have a family i want to raise kids um i feel very maternal in that way and so i'm gonna start the process of figuring out if I can freeze my eggs tomorrow. Um, so I have my initial appointment tomorrow morning. Um, well, they will tell me if I have any eggs floating around in there and if they will be able to take them out and freeze them so that when someone does put a ring on this hand, um, we can have a family. Mm. So yeah, so and I think um, it's, my mom has been really wonderful and like uh, accepting of it and like supportive. Um, so she's really, really great about that. But I do think that it's, I haven't heard of many others in the Afghan community doing it or at least talking about it. Um, and I think that's another area where I think we just need to put this in the forefront. Like women are doing this. And like, if I go through with the process, like it's really hard on your body, right? Like all the mm -hmm. hormone injections and all of that. And it's like something we need to talk about and support each other with because as, and I think someone on Facebook commented, like as we push off marriage, like we're pushing off, having a family and that's to the detriment of a biological clock. Unfortunately, like we have an expiration date on these eggs and if you don't use them, you're going to lose them. And so I think more and more people will start to do this. And I think we need to um, take it out from underneath this veil of like shame and secrecy that it's currently under. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's what I'm doing tomorrow morning. That's so, that's so amazing. I know a couple women who are doing that and I think it's just, um, it's just, you're right. This is just like the stage we're at and that's what we need to do. We need to look out for ourselves. We need to look out for our own future and in whatever capacity that takes. But it's interesting because I was thinking about like, I had an interesting conversation with family about IVF, like in vitro fertilization and, or like even like having a sperm donor. And that was always, <laughs> this is like this conversation is going beyond what I thought it was going to go. But anyway, about like a sperm donor, and there was conversations about how that's like not right because that's kind of like you're sleeping with someone you're not married to. <laughs> anyway, yeah. but it's just it's an interesting conversation. It's something that a lot of um, Afghan communities aren't the Afghan community isn't having, but it's actually real in there. And as uh, you know, us women like um get to the point where we want to do that we need to have like a support network and at this point when i talk about anything regarding fertility or having babies like because it's so taboo to talk about that when you're single um in the afghan community i just reach out to my non-afghan friends mm -hmm. my non-muslim friends because that's that's my support community right now and being able to talk about those things mm -hmm. and why is there so much shame and secrecy involved i wonder mm. Are we like um, all expected to be like fertile till we're 60? Is that it? Like, is it? I mean, I guess because it's like unnatural, you know, it's not like the natural way of things happening in your body. Um, and I think because it hasn't been done, I think that's so much of like the shame in our Afghan communities because it hasn't been done, right? Like, mm -hmm. gay weddings hasn't been done, egg freezing hasn't been done. Like, it's all because it's like we're in uncharted territory. Yeah. 
I feel like we're really communal too. So it's like when you talk about it to your close friends, like because we're such a tight knit community, it's like you tell one person, everyone finds stuff out. I'm not saying it has to be that way, but um, unfortunately I feel like sometimes that's the fear we have with talking about Mm -hmm. these things to like, you know, the Afghan community. And um, so it's, it's kind of like, even though it's uncomfortable and there is that risk, I definitely commend y'all for having this conversation and just normalizing it because it has to be it has to be something we talk about more you know mm-hmm. yeah I feel like I've had to be careful about um and this is like the performance I've realized re- recently is that um n- filters are our way of performing and I think I like the idea of having kids more than I like the idea of having a husband. <laughs> and I don't know, like, if I said that at a wedding, someone would think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I like babies that are two, but a four-year-old baby doesn't sound so enticing to me. And I'm not saying all men are like that, but there's just something about, um, you know, like, even that opinion, I'm like, crap, am I going to get, cr-, you know, shade for saying that? But the idea of a baby is sweeter to me than like permanent roommate hood with somebody that I've known for three months. <laughs> I think I a lot of that, yeah, go on. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think a lot of that comes down to the role that we're expected to play as like women in that position. Cause it's like, um, you know, you're, you're comparing your, you know, significant other to like a 40 year old baby, because that's kind of almost what it feels like. Your child is someone that you at least like, you know, you created and you love them unconditionally, whereas your spouse is like, you're kind of also expected to take care of them in this, in like the same or similar capacity where you're feeding them, you're cleaning up after them, you know, I'm not saying that that's how it is, or that's how it has to be. But a lot of times, let's be real, that's kind of the expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so true. It's like it goes to the gender roles, and it might be the roles in our community, which might be another WTSN talk like <laughs> about um, do we just only marry Afghans or do we partner up with non-Afghans so that there are different gender roles that come into the conversation or how do we push our culture, you know? Uh, I feel like we should have like a women of TSN with like um, a men's panel, like grilling <laughs> them about gender roles. <laughs> <laughs> like a debate, you know, like... Pit one, one woman of TSN, one, one man of TSN, and like go at it. No, <laughs> just four TSN women and one token man. And I know, just ask I know why. <laughs> That's how most panels are nowadays. It's like all men, and you're one token woman to sh- Ooh, woman this is to show diversity. Yeah, <laughs> it's all. It's just us taking turns, being like, "Why are you like this?" <laughs> <laughs> Speaking on behalf of all men, and maybe they'll see the absurdity of what it feels like when there's only one woman on a panel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, as we're wrapping up, um, I wanted to ask y'all uh, who your women crushes are. Uh, who wants to go first? <laughs> what um, I'll go. Oh, okay. Um, I would have to choose Rihanna. I've loved her forever. Um, I think she's so badass. And she has this line in the song that I like really resonate with. Um, she goes like, fuck your white horse and your carriage. And Ooh, I love it. Yes. I love it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Fuck your white horse and your carriage. I don't need that shit. I can have my own white horse and my own carriage. So I really resonate with her lyrics. And I think she's super badass and beautiful and healthy body image, like projection. So she would be my woman crush for real. Um, I'm in like super house mode because buying a house and like putting it together. So mine is Joanna Gaines. Um, also just had her fifth baby. No, Right. Make every BB John happy. <laughs> she has a solid family. She looks like she's always madly in love with her husband. They run this amazing business. She's on TV. She's like, you know, I mean, the image of having it all, I don't know if she actually does. Who knows if anybody actually does. But, um, and her, I just love her style aesthetic. So I just think she's wonderful. And she has a farm. She does have a farm. I'm yeah, jealous. it's pretty badass. Ugh. 
Okay, so my woman crush Wednesday, or woman crush in general, I guess, is Kelly Marie Tran. She was in the last Star Wars movie. She played Rose Tico. She was, like, recently in the news for being, like, basically run off social media because racist men who think that they own all media were, like, just trashing her for her character because they're morons. But she was, she's so, like, sweet and positive. She's, like, one of the people in Hollywood where she's, like, just become a breakout star and, like, Following her on Instagram was great because she just posted a lot of positive things and um, she's just so funny and sweet. And I don't know, that's like what I, I wish I wish I could be that positive with everything in life. But yeah, that would be my woman crush for this time. Mm. Um, mine is Serena Williams, the tennis star, arguably GOAT, greatest of all time, next to Muhammad Ali and LeBron James. Sorry, Golden State Warriors fans. Uh, <laughs> but above the men. But I've been watching her show uh, Being Serena on HBO and her trials of going into motherhood and so much of what she talks about and being a mother and balancing that with her career I think speaks to what we've been speaking about tonight. And um, the fact that she's a tennis star and she's a black tennis star in a white-dominated like athletic um arena and and her stories of like the slurs she heard when she was first coming up on the come up as a teenager i think that gets to the intersectionality of being a woman and being a woman of color and as afghan women especially now with everything going on this this week has really brought up some like childhood trauma about being an immigrant and like i'm a i'm a refugee like i came on asylum like and like all these slurs that i heard growing up uh, about being a refugee and like how my English would never be good enough to get me through school and so like questioning who you are as as a refugee and as an immigrant and then labeling on top of that all this stuff we have to deal with as women so when I see Serena I see her like defying like standards people have from for like black people and black athletes and then womanhood and like just choices she made that in the prime of her career like she had a blowout performance while she was pregnant like that's the stuff that you know, um, I think as women and as Afghan women, um, one of the things that happens to us is like we carry uh, the men in our community with us in terms of like the trauma of what our communities have gone through. And then talking about weddings seems trivial to men, but a lot of the pain we carry comes out during seasons like weddings and engagements and fertility. Like, and we don't have a space to talk about that pain because it almost seems low on the totem pole or like we're being superficial. So I'm going on a rant on that, but maybe that's something we can talk about. Like, do people make it seem superficial when we talk about weddings? Yeah. And I feel like people make you feel like, Oh, you're just bitter because you're not right. Um, especially like my obsession with weddings. It's like, <laughs> Oh, you're just obsessed with them because you're, you haven't had your own, you're not married or whatever, but it is there. Like there is some like underlying feelings about, not having it right and like and all the like all that comes with it and that all that comes with performance during it so i completely agree with you nora i got and then also she's got the i, I got heavy but her her baby is the cutest on instagram mm -hmm. so like, it shows like her happiness shows the resilience of what happens when you can move through the spaces and the treacherous paths that we go through in the ways that we do yeah and i think we also had an interesting comment on facebook about not feeling the need to get um married young and it's okay for women to find themselves i mean i think everybody's on their own path mm -hmm. and finds their own way there's no right or wrong answer and um, nobody should be hating on anybody else um, for choosing to find um, pursue their education or pursue marriage or pursue both at the same time and not being so um, combative and hating. Um, just throwing that out there. That's so sad. I mean, people want us to be divided, right? And as, yeah. as women, it's like, uh, my advisor always tells me this. She was like, she's like, when she was going up for tenure, there was only two of them. And she's like, we could have competed against each other or collaborated. And we chose to collaborate to like get through tenure together. And so, I think sometimes a community does do this, like, you know, um, hijabi, non-hijabi, good girl, bad girl, like these weird ass binaries where 
maybe we were a bit of both. Maybe we were a good girl and we're a bad girl. Like what the, like what the hell is a bad girl anyways? Like, like <laughs> there's this like, you know, like these binaries yeah. that are created. Right. And so uplifting one another helps to disrupt these false binaries that people try to put on us. Yeah. Should get beyond, beyond those discussions. I think that's a challenge in our community and hopefully WTSN can further address and help out. I don't know. Definitely. Wishful thinking. <laughs> exactly. So. I'm all um, in my feelings now. I know. Where did, where did this go for? This conversation went from like, you know, weddings, Amazon, eating disorders, fertility. All of it. All of it's necessary. What are your final thoughts? Yeah. We have five minutes left. Like, what does this make you think about as we wrap up? I'm just grateful that I can be honest in this space because I feel like I've never I've always had a filter and it's only been in building relationships with Afghan women like you three that I've felt the trust to lean in and be okay with sharing my vulnerabilities about some of these things I'm okay talking about statistics and data but when it gets to real life and like what your Khala John says to you it gets a little more uncomfortable right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess my like what I'm thinking about is just how thankful I am for such a supportive and progressive and liberal mom um, because yeah. if, if I didn't have her then I wouldn't have talked about half of these things right like because it would still be in the back of my head of like oh I don't want to embarrass her or whatever but like she has always been very open with me and like very progressive in terms of certain views she has and like so I think I'm this all of this makes me thankful that that I have her and she is like the last person to pressure me to get married. Um, her big thing is like, just be happy. I would much rather you be single and happy than married and miserable. Like not that those are the only way it exists, but mm -hmm. that like, that's what she is advocating for. And so I think just having this whole discussion makes me very grateful and thankful that that's like who I have in my corner. Are we talking about my final thoughts now? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this whole conversation has made me really get like, the fact that we went through so many topics made me think about like all the roles that we have to play, the different hats we have to put on as women, like the things that we think about constantly. And this is just like, this whole conversation came up just with the fact that it's wedding season. Like mm -hmm. every time a wedding comes up, a lot of these topics, a lot of these feelings come up. So, yeah, it just feels good to kind of get it out there and have a conversation with it and open up about, you know, the things that are annoying. But also I feel like we kind of talked about the things that make it beautiful. Like we talked about our traditions and just how things are changing. I know like wedding trend wise, things are changing, but I would hope that this conversation kind of gets the ball rolling to how things can also change, like, you know, socially. So. Yeah, that's. Good point. I think for me also, it's just, you know, if I don't feel like getting for me for the whole table at a wedding, it's because I just don't want to get up and perform um, the role of a server. Um, and I understand the need for respect and all that, but just, you know, like there's so much nuance to our culture and there's so, so much nuance to us as human beings. Um, and just having the space and just having strong um, girlfriends and then for me recently having very strong Afghan women girlfriends to be able to like communicate these issues. Um, it's super important to realize like, like, you know, it's a performance as a group and it's just highlighted in these different spaces. Um, and in as much as we can support ourselves, maybe we can push ourselves to be stronger in ourselves and the different capacities and the life decisions we choose to take. Definitely. So, yeah. Well, I'm excited. Thank you all for spilling the chai with us and our viewers. And um, if you have comments for those watching for how we should follow up with this conversation, Women of TSN is an ongoing series. I mean, our first one was called What Bitches in Zanaka? And now this is installment three or four, I think. And um, Bahair, more to come in podcast form and in this form. So, um, leave us comments on the Facebook page, um, direct message us if you have anything you want to talk about. And hopefully this is just the beginning of the conversation because wedding season just started. So there is definitely <laughs> more to be said. We may have to do a post wedding analysis of how we survived. We should do, we, we've been doing like uh, 
TSN Live's Day in the Life of on our oh, my starts tonight. Yeah, Nora, yours is starting. I think it's starting. So follow the Instagram page and see, you know, what the day in our life is. I think for the woman, it's a bit more interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm day, going but. on a date tomorrow. <laughs> I'm gonna be live streaming a date. He's five years old. <laughs> <laughs> Let me like clarify. God, you were on the inner call and me got really excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that bold. But... I'm about to bust out a door. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like the cutest five year old, and he and um he's gonna teach me how to bowl. So I think that's gonna be my day in the life story tomorrow, and other things. <laughs> awesome. Is that gonna you be like, like your birthday that What's that? <laughs> Is that gonna be like your birthday dinner? Bowling, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pizza will be the dinner. <laughs> happy right. birthday, Nora! Happy Thank birthday! And happy birthday to Medina. She can make happy other cancer. Medina, Wardak, Weiss, Hamid, our TSNers are both cancers. Cancers are, and then uh, Henna is a water sign. What are, are you? All water spicy sign. Spicy Pisces. Spicy Pisces. All of them. Nazar, Capricorn. You? Capricorn. Is, that, is Capricorn a water sign or no? It's an earth. No. Ooh, earth sign. Okay. Capricorns are cool. Capricorns are cool. <laughs> we should have one on, on zodiac signs. I love how I, do, I don't believe in this, but I like love leaning into it. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, Shabbat Chosh, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone.